Hey friends and welcome to another episode of Fresh Aesthetic, the show where we embark on the search for truth and meaning through creativity, art and pop culture. I'm your host Stephen Garton and today's episode is an interview I did with Jeremy Tattersall. Jeremy has a passion for theology in the Christian tradition and shares openly and honestly about his experiences and learning. I really enjoyed this conversation and can't wait to share it with you. Last week's episode was called How to Craft a Good Hook and it was part of the series Matt and I are diving into where we share our own creative processes with you in keeping with the theme of the season. Make sure to go back and check it out if you missed it. If you enjoy this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend, leaving a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. But enough of me talking and on to the interview. Let's hit it. Alrighty, so I'm here with Jeremy Tattersall. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. It's exciting. So why don't you kick it off with just a little bit about yourself and kind of, I mean, we will get into talking about theology, but mm. I don't know, maybe like some some background leading up to your decision to start wanting to study theology and um, mm. just some of the stuff leading into that maybe. Probably started one with growing up in a Christian family. Um, that kind of first gave me an interaction with um, theology and and God and and faith, but I didn't really know what theology was at that point, really. Like it was a word, but I was like, oh, that's what smart people do (laughs) (laughs) growing up. Um, But yeah, obviously when you grow up, you realize, yeah, that's not true. It's just what everybody does. (laughs) That's so funny. It's like when you're young, you think um, old people have just, old people, uh, (laughs) people older than you have got it all together, but then you get older and do stuff yourself and you're like oh nobody actually knows what they're doing they're just winging it most of the time (laughs) oh like totally yeah yeah so that was my first kind of experience with it growing up in a family like that and um but yeah then I went to a a Christian school and I took biblical studies and then another Christian studies class and it was in like year 12 and 13 that I started being like hey like I'm really interested in kind of learning more about God and the Bible and stuff. and uh, But I, I originally wasn't going to do theology, though. I actually wanted to go to uni and do political science, actually. Oh, wow. So <laughs> um, what was the pivoting thing there for you? Well, it was, it was real weird. I just kind of started enjoying yeah, learning about the Bible and theology more, just at a real basic level in school. And then somebody I knew was like, hey, you know, you could, you could go to a Bible college. And I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe. And then, <laughs> then they kind of sent me like a link to check out at, um, at a Bible college. And I was like, hey, this is actually really, really cool. It was just over a period of like a few weeks. I was like, just suddenly dawned on me like this is, this is what I want to do. Right. It's something you're really passionate about. Yeah. Like I, I didn't know I was super passionate about it. Like mm. I know I enjoyed it, but it wasn't what I was going to do with my life then yeah, it just kind of, kind of happened. Was there anything that sort of sparked the passion or made you kind of realize that it was a thing that you'd really love to do or? Potentially being exposed to, to the Bible project, actually, if you know their stuff, this group of people over in the States doing creative videos about theology and and the Bible. And I was just like, there's just so, there's just so much depth here that I didn't realize was here. And there's just so much I don't know. And 
like, I don't know, four or five years later, there's still so much you don't know, even more, you, you know, you don't know. <laughs> Which yeah. is good. Cause, um, it's, it's often a thing where we love to put things in nice, tidy little boxes. And when you, um, apply that to faith and God, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to be, um, doing the same thing and trying to go, yep, I've clocked that game. Like that's all finished and tidied up. Um, yeah, to, to know that there's so much more to it um, is really cool. So how would you describe theology to somebody who's just like f- for anybody who's is not sure exactly what it entails, like maybe we'll do a fun little exercise of describing it, how you would describe theology to a five-year-old um, and then a 15-year-old, maybe a 30-year-old. 60 i don't know it doesn't have to be that many ages but it's kind of just getting the like basic somebody who's yeah like got no vocabulary for it and then um so on how would you describe it for them oh and just another prequel to the question like someone it's they do are coming from a religious background so they do know the god stuff all right so say like a five-year-old growing up in a religious background yeah i'd probably say what I do studying theology is essentially I spend my time trying to learn more about the the loving God who's created us all. I don't think you can really explain kind of much more than that yeah. to a five-year-old. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know, it might depend on the five-year-old, but yeah, that'd probably be it. Um, what was the next one? 15? 15, yeah. So a 15-year-old, I'd probably say... Um, Oh yeah, again from yeah a religious background, I'd say, like, hey, like, you know, there's a God. You know, you you've grown up people, uh, you've grown up with people talking about. What I do is I want to try and understand Him more to see what difference it makes to how I view myself, like my personal identity, how I view my family, uh, um, non Christians. Uh, or non-religious people and yeah how how i view the world just what difference does it make just wanting to know more yeah that's good yeah what about a 30 year old it'd be probably pretty similar actually to the 30 year old i'd say yeah in terms of like hey like but by, by 30 if you've grown up in that background you're probably pretty you know you you know all the jargon yeah you know all the christianese and you probably have some kind of depth of understanding yourself by that point if you've been in it for a while um, yeah, I'd just say like what I want to do is I, I want to know more. I want to understand more and see and yeah, see what difference it makes. Mm. And what if we skip forward to like, is there any difference between that and say a 60 or a 90 year old person if you're describing it to them? Probably not really. It, you, my presentation of it might differ depending on what I know of their background. Um, but yeah, it's essentially it's actually pretty similar all the way through. Right. Yeah. And what if you flip this exercise and change it up a bit and go, okay, somebody from a non-religious background, how would you describe to the same same age levels? All right. Starting with a five-year-old? Yeah, let's start with a five-year-old. The five-year-old, I'd say, like, essentially, like, hey, I believe a person made the world and created us. And what I do is I'm trying to learn more about that person. Like I, I, I might add in like I, I'm trying to learn more about this person because I believe they love us and stuff. But without kind of yeah, the religious background, 
I don't know whether much else would really connect with them. With 15-year-old, it'd probably be, yeah, again, like there are some 15-year-olds today actually who just have no religious background at all. They, they don't even know who Jesus like is supposed to be historically. So I'd probably, it'd probably be pretty basic. I'd be like, like, hey, I believe um, the Christian God. Oh, again, Christian might not mean anything to them. Uh, I believe that a, a intelligent being, a person, a personal being, created the world and what I'm trying to do is understand them more to essentially help help guide my life and my relationship with people, the world. Um, yeah. Uh, to a 30-year-old. This one might potentially be more tricky depending on, I don't know, where the conversation went. Yeah. Just because, yeah. Just because by the time you're 30, you're more likely to have some religious ideas because of your interactions with people, but it's they, they, they could be anything if you're not from a religious background. Or even if you're from a religious background, they could be anything, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say, yeah, I, I'm convinced an intelligent personal being created the world and theology uh, is, studying theology is my attempt to, to understand them more, to, to really kind of see whether it makes a difference knowing more and yeah, in the hopes of bettering myself, bettering my relationships with other people and finding out whether there's actually something to be gained here in terms of personal meaning, personal identity, um, and yeah, what, what difference this, this could make to other people as well as myself probably. Yeah, it's good. And I'm kind of hearing from your answers like a lot of curiosity coming through and and I, I really appreciate that because, um, yeah, often – I mean, Christians especially can get a quite a reputation for being judgmental and like <laughs> imposing their beliefs on others. So to hear the way that you're describing that is quite refreshing, I think, to um, for somebody who just is asking a genuine question and you're going, um, I just want to see where this goes for me. So, mm. yeah, that's oh, oh. good. That's encouraging to hear. <laughs> Um, so is there anything else like that you hope it brings out in your journey or? I might be somewhat of a special case in the sense where I'm one of those people who just, yeah, is curious. And so, of course, um, God and theology and my faith is, it's very personal and important to me and something I value a lot. But uh, like, I really enjoy understanding or trying to understand more, even if I don't arrive at a concrete answer. Yeah. Or, yeah. e or even if I conclude that there is no concrete answer, I just enjoy the entire process. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think um, talking about concrete answers with God is a dangerous <laughs> thing to to go to because, yeah. I mean, what, <laughs> what is the size of our brain? Can, if you're imagining this um, intelligent being creating us, then mm -hmm. to, to have the almost arrogance to say you've got a concrete answer about it feels pretty intense oh, um, totally yeah but unfortunately like like you do hear it a lot yeah yeah and 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 like i've, I've said many times on on the podcast but it, i think it links back to a a want and a craving for for the known and for stability in our lives and mm. and wanting to just have things nicely packaged because it feels so comforting when you've got everything nicely boxed up and and it's understood and you there's no room for the unknown or for mystery or for anything like that. It, it does feel quite comforting. Yeah, it, it feels like you're safe. Yeah, and like 
yeah, it's it's less of a threat if you're sure about things. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, besides the the curiosity aspect, I I do genuinely think and hope and and yeah believe that that doing this will help me understand essentially my my place in the world more, mm. um, and the 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 kind of relationships I should have with people, and um, yeah, I'm 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 hoping down there down the end of the road that. That um that doing the study genuinely helps me to to understand God more uh, as much as I can and to to help others who who are on a similar journey or at least you know entertaining the idea. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, growing up in a Christian home, you're you're kind of because I I can relate to that because it's my story as well. But you get handed this thing of like here's our faith tradition, um, and the stakes are pretty high that come with it. Yep. You know, it's like life and death stuff. Um, and so I had a similar thing of just like, okay, if this is if this is what you're you're telling me, this narrative and this this thing you're get, handing over is, um, you kind of like almost obligated to follow it to its nth degree, if because you're like the stakes are just way too high to not try mm. at least. Was it, is it similar for you or? Yeah, probably growing up it was somewhat similar. I was just like, you know, this that this is the be all and end all. Yeah. Um, but that, that's partly why I I ended up actually going to Bible college and studying theology was like, like I want to know, like, is this worth my while? Is this yeah, worth yeah. my time? Yeah, for sure. And, and that's that's um, healthy questions to have. Uh, mm. um, I'm curious, like. In terms of, because I know that when you grow up in a certain environment, it can be quite sheltered. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And um, I'm curious how you found the jump from that sheltered bubble to, say, you're suddenly interacting with people who may not necessarily share your same worldview. I mean, you're going to a theology mm-hmm. You're studying a theology degree, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, to an extent, they're all going to be similar Mm, and at least coming from probably a theistic point of view of an intelligent being made us or yeah 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 yeah. so like there's not the same level of i'm running into a completely opposite worldview or anything like that but did you find that um it was a shock or like how was your experience going from the environment growing up to to your university years oh yeah so even though, yeah, from from the standpoint of believing in God and believing in the value of the Bible, um, and and even a sense of um, God personally being involved in our lives, it was it definitely wasn't an opposite um, view or anything that I was coming into contact with. But it still felt like it it, it was a massive shock. Like to be honest, right. Um, can you unpack that a little bit? Like, what was the shock factor for you? Essentially, I, I realized that some people were kind of Christians for a different reason than I was, <laughs> which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of went into Bible college, you know, having almost, I don't know, what you call a pop culture level view of Christianity, probably looking back. By that, I probably mean, again, it comes from my Christian background where my level of understanding was you know, an intelligent being had to create the universe type thing. Right. It had to have been an intelligent being. Um, this intelligent being is definitely the God of the Bible and the God of the Bible is definitely like this and this and this, et cetera. Yeah. Um, whereas 
other people had come to believe in Christianity because they had um, like this essentially tangible experience with God with no previous experience with Christianity or they were the kind of person to, you know, just be like, you know, why the heck would you subscribe to Christianity? And then they just had this um, experience. Um, and then there's other people who, you know, the the idea of the intelligent being creating the universe um as a foundation for faith, like some people, it wasn't there for them at all. They're just like, I'm here because of the historical Jesus. Can't remember exactly where I was Oh, that, that question was like, what was the shock factor for you with that? So you've described oh. that some of the different backgrounds people came from and how did you find that like really different to, to your environment growing up? So it was really different because, yeah, essentially I, I came with this very kind of narrow view of, yeah, this is this is what God is like. Um, God is this, you know, loving person, etc., who sent uh, Jesus to die for us. Um, and I thought so much wider theology like that was just as certain, if that makes sense. Yeah. So does. how you interpret Genesis, how you interpret uh, Revelation, yeah. uh, these these books in the Bible. Yeah. Um, how you approach uh, the Bible, how literally do you read it? How do you value the different genres in it? What does the fact that there's different genres in it even mean? Like I, I just encountered all these ideas for that I just hadn't heard before. Yeah. And so it, it was it was a massive shock just being like these are people who, you know, claim to believe in the same God I do, but they believe different things about the way he interacts with us in the world. And yeah. So on one level, it was a shock just because it was a greater level of complexity. But because of that complexity was there, there's just so many different ideas within that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Was it a good shock for you or was it just, um, was it like you weren't feeling one way or the other about it or were you upset or how would you describe your emotions? So in some moments, it's just you don't know whether it's good or bad. It just feels bad <laughs> just because it's a shock and you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, what is happening? Yeah. Um, but probably w within within the six months, I was like, like, this sure, this is really scary and I don't know exactly what the end is going to look like for me, but like, I love this yeah. and I'm already, un I'm already feeling like I'm, I already feel like I'm benefiting from all these different viewpoints. And even if I, you know, at that stage was like, I don't even know with most of them who, which one is right, if any of them are right. But I just felt like, even though it's scary, like I really want to push forward because I think there's value here. Yeah. And how would you describe your worldview um, when you look back at yourself in the peak of your um, existence inside of your growing up? context compared to your worldview now Oof. I'd, I'd say my worldview now is is a lot wider so so when i grew up it was now again this doesn't necessarily mean this is what i was taught but this is kind of what i ended up with you catch it i mean like yeah. it's not everything spoken that you taught that you uh taught quote unquote it's like you catch things and 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 your environment hands you things that are unspoken mm, yeah so for me, it was, it kind of, I kind of felt like a little bit like, oh, like I'm a Christian and I'm kind of part of this group of people who kind of feel like, you know, they're against the world almost. Yeah. 
I think part of that was potentially a bit of sheltering and just a very narrow view of the way God works, even within Christian belief. Even, oh, are you familiar with uh, Left Behind Theology, for example? Uh, I know the books. I'd, I'd yeah. never read them. Yeah. They just seemed quite cringy to me. But <laughs> so, so, like, I kind of grew up in, in say, a, a culture where that was kind of just assumed to right. be true, et cetera. And so for another belief, just, you know, Jesus dying for my sins, it, it was just a very kind of individualized personal thing. Um, and now, although like I affirm some of what I grew up with, like I do believe Jesus died for me in an individual way, but it's just, I believe God in the world, there's so much more gray and there's, there's so much more breadth to what is actually going on in the world that like, it's scary, but it's amazing. It's just a never ending amount to learn. And, or, and yeah, I, I believe Jesus, um, Jesus did die for me in a personal way, but now looking back, I'm like, but that, like, there's such a small view of who God is and who we are and the cosmos. Yeah. Like there's just so much more going on than this. So I, to, yeah, to use that as an example, I'd say now I'd say God is essentially redeeming the universe rather than redeeming me. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. It comes, uh, like, I feel like it comes from a very consumeristic point of view when it's the, the personal Jesus and like, it's, it's there to save you. And I mm. don't know, is that, is that kind of sort of similar to what you're saying here? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Cause, um, I should have talked about this a little bit earlier, but say with, with essentially the, the, the worldview I grew up with was God created the world sin happened, we sinned, we messed it up, et cetera. There's evil forces, uh, which we can't, you know, totally grasp, but but they're there. They messed it up um, with us. They're fighting against us. And now we face a choice to believe in Jesus. And then we get to fly away off this earth and go to heaven, whatever that means. Or we say no, and then we go to this horrible place called hell. That was kind of my narrow worldview. But now I'm just like, I don't really think that's exactly what Christianity says. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, it's crazy because it all comes from one book that is <laughs> interpreted so many different ways by so many different people. It's yeah. It seems like a bit of a minefield sometimes. Of how do you even like what lens do you look at this thing through? How do you try oh. and stay as unbiased as possible? Oh, totally. Um, well, it's like if, if, if you do study it or like you don't even have to be studying theology to, you know, hold this position, but you just have to accept that you can't be unbiased. Like you can't. Um, yeah, true, true. You're always going to have some sort of bias as a human, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so I think that the first step is just having the humility to, to realize that just be pragmatic. Like, Hey, I've grown up in this section of the world with this limited information around me. But how hard is it to get rid of the ego though? It's so hard. It just is like this, the screen that's in front of everything you look at. And like, every time you look at something, it's permeated with your own (laughs) ego of like, no, no, I've got the right answers. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Part of it is whether it's in a nice way or not, if you're surrounded by people who just simply demonstrate with you know beyond reasonable doubt yeah that you're wrong you just kind of have to accept that unless (laughs) you want to be an egg like (laughs) yeah yeah uh, and and so when it comes to theology 
and um, like, uh, you know, you have tutors marking your work, et cetera. Yeah. And if you've got, you know, logical fallacies in there, et cetera, they let you know. <laughs> yeah. So would it be hard for you listening to a general run of the mill Sunday sermon now that you've got all this extra knowledge? Um, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I really don't want to come across harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get um, it. But like you probably have a similar experience being like so knowledgeable and experienced with music where when you hear a piece of music, you often, I imagine, can't help but evaluate it. Yeah. And and, and I do try and turn the filter off sometimes because there's so many times in life where you just have to get your brain out of the way and experience it for what it is Mm. and stop trying to overthink everything so much that it all of life boils down to like thoughts in your brain oh totally but um yeah i do know what you're saying (laughs) yeah often it's frustrating or sorry the sermons that are frustrating not all sermons are frustrating yeah (laughs) the sermons that are frustrating um are more the ones that um that are frustrating because they feel close-minded yes rather than like oh i just really hate that specific viewpoint yeah because like for the most part what i've noticed from people who do get a degree is it's not about having the piece of paper like none of us Mm. care about the piece of paper saying i've graduated from a diploma a diploma or degree or any sort of um qualification it's about the way you think it's the 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 critical thinking that you take to um to whatever you do and so it's not going to be like I'm frustrated because um, you have a different viewpoint to me, Mm. right? This is what I'm picking up. (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like you're going to be frustrated that they're taking a very limited kind of viewpoint to it and not – it's kind of riddled with holes. Their arguments or whatever are are Mm. full of fallacies or inaccuracies or inconsistencies or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, like – there are certain beliefs that regardless of whether they're open or closed-minded, I still, you know, I just don't like, and I genuinely think they're wrong. Right. Like just based on, you know, evidence beyond reasonable doubt, that kind of thing. But yeah, most of the time I get most annoyed at people just, you know, it it, it feels like some people just, even if they don't realize it, they're doing it themselves. It just comes across as closed-minded, arrogant. I know exactly what I'm talking about when, if you're in the field, even if you've only been doing it for three or four years like me, yeah. sometimes just experiencing the field a little bit, you know, like for a fact, you know, w- within reasonable doubt, you know, this person is just straight up wrong. So it's, it's kind of more that that's frustrating rather than the fact that they're wrong. Yeah. Especially if nobody else is really caring or protesting. It's <laughs> like, ah, does someone else hear this or see what's going on here? Uh, yeah. And yeah, at, at, at that point, um, what you mentioned before, like you have to, you have to learn to just control um, your evalu- evaluative habits and just be like, you know, essentially find the gold. Yeah. Find the gold, get behind that. Um, but also, you know, not just be dishonest with yourself and other people and be like, oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Because that doesn't really help anybody. Oh, for sure. And I mean, it's harder for some personality types than for others, like, um, for my personality type and I, I assume for you as well, I d- I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but <laughs> any sort of peacemaking, um, heavy personality types are really struggling to give completely honest opinions, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I, 
I've, I feel like I'm getting better at saying what I think. Yeah. Like, of course, I still try and be careful. But yeah, definitely it's been a process for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the past, I just like, yeah, just. Go with the flow with whatever's happening. Go with the flow. Yeah. 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 Definitely. That's great. What's your What's your top pet peeve of theologies that you're just like, that's oh. just wrong? So you're talking about a specific belief here. Yeah, sure. Just hit me with anything. I'm, I'm open oh, to anything. Gosh. I don't know if it is number one, but one that does come to mind yeah. is when people who are Christians who, you know, claim Jesus is the reason for what I believe, et cetera. My, what I get frustrated is when people talk about another belief in relation to that and say, if you don't believe this or don't interpret this passage of scripture like this, then you can't trust Jesus. That's what I get frustrated with. Because for me as a Christian, I'm like, I follow Jesus I don't follow this belief. Sure. So yeah. you're saying like you're, you're almost equating a particular part of the belief system as the law of like, okay, well then you're not really a follower of Christ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're not a true follower because a true <laughs> follower would look at it like this. <laughs> oh, it seems so egocentric, doesn't it? It's Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That would be very frustrating. Someone studying theology, <laughs> especially. And, and like, it, it's hard as well because most of the time when I hear people, when I hear people do this, say like, if you don't believe this or don't interpret it this way, you can't trust Jesus. Most of the time, you know, they're being really genuine. They're not trying to be like nonsensical. They're not trying to be annoyingly harsh and dogmatic, but it's just, it's just, it's kind of often what it ends up becoming is being unnecessarily dogmatic. And I think just completely having the wrong order of things of why you should be a Christian. Yeah. 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 Um, and that would be hard. Like, so what would you say to your younger self or even like, cause looking back from where you're at your vantage point now to where you were at, say the age of, I don't know, 15 or whatever, if you were looking at yourself in that situation, is there any specific sort of advice or knowledge or something you would impart? I'd probably say like always try and understand and learn more, always try to evaluate the beliefs of people around you, but, n but never get bitter about it. Yeah. I'd say just, just remember these are people like you on a journey, you know, ideally we're all trying to find truth and meaning yeah. and healthy relationships together. Yeah. yeah, we are. And so, you know, you just got to, you just got to give people grace while also trying to, to get to the truth with people and share that with other people. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um, and what if you went from, say, with your current vantage point, I guess it would be a similar answer, but you go back into a context where it is a little bit more closed minded and people are a bit more dogmatic and saying your pet peeve of like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a follower of Christ, but you don't believe this part of the, the doctrine. What are you doing? Mm. How would you how would you cope in a situation like that? pretty hard to be honest yeah <laughs> to cope in a situation like that but yeah probably again just try and emphasize emphasize the humility aspect yeah be like yeah again we're all on a journey um these people need grace i need grace please give me grace <laughs> um but also just be like just in terms of coping in a relational sense with engaging with these people it's like just be like hey like maybe there's more to this than you think just like, could you entertain that idea that it's less simple that wow. um, 
that this view could be potentially just a bit unbalanced and here's maybe why. Wow, that's an excellent this, answer. <laughs> yeah. But like it's, it's really it's really hard. It's tough to do in the moment, yeah. especially when, especially if your emotions boil over and you're like, you're wrong. You're <laughs> obviously wrong. Like, why would you ever think that? But then you can be, you could arguably be accused of doing the same thing that they're doing to you and, and just turning it around and um, firing that same thing back. So, yeah. But no, that's a great answer. I really, really liked that answer. So this season of the podcast is kind of all about creativity and um, and finding creativity in, in areas that people don't often expect it in. Like people often look for it in the arts and music and painting and whatever. But would you describe, like, is is there a creative process that you go through or that you, you envision yourself going through with in regards to what you do is um do you find creativity in your day-to-day outworking of theology oh yeah definitely like like honestly every day even if you don't realize you're experiencing it um say um i've chosen to say learn or um start learning the biblical languages and everybody i think who who learns a language knows it's not simply um, or in terms of human communication, it's not simply computer code that you learn. It's not. Um, essentially, to understand biblical Greek or biblical Hebrew, it, it's the, the most kind of helpful meaning for interpreting it. Um, it is often found in feeling the language rather than just knowing this word means this because it's never that simple. Because, like, yeah, just with language, words have semantic ranges, and it's it's a feel. It's almost an art. Like, of course, there's some, you know, it's it is evidence based, but there's there's a real art to to feeling what an author is trying to communicate in their context. Um, and then, like, even just branching away from language, just just how you how you think, the ideas you entertain. It's not just a linear process. It's just, you know, oh, maybe this is what's happening here. I'll go explore that. Um, if if I do think there's something here, how do I then present that? There's no, you know, one way to write an essay. It's how do you put it together? How are you going to argue this? It's, it's you know, what kind of evidence are you going to bring at what point? And although, of course, yeah, there's always, you know, scientific evidence that we can help with, you know, what what makes an efficient essay and what makes efficient a communication. But it's it's just never a simple linear process. It's always like maybe this will work. Maybe maybe this will communicate what I'm trying to communicate. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. It does. That's great. That's fantastic. I love hearing people. I mean, you just don't expect to, to see it like creativity in the general sense is often thought about in, in the arts, like I was saying before, but mm. it's so exciting seeing other people apply the same sort of ideas of, of creativity, of looking for that that nugget that hasn't been, it, maybe it hasn't been said in this way before. Like mm. I know there's nothing new under the sun, but <laughs> at the same time you can still kind of remix things and throw in a little bit of a winky face here and there of like, yep, you, <laughs> hopefully here's a little hidden Easter egg for you if you kind of, if you know, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But um, yeah, yeah, that's really good. It, so like when you go to write an essay, is there like, 
creative block you have to get over or is there like a, 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 a step-by-step process that helps you or what, what kind of gets you in the mood to be creative? So definitely um, starting is always the hardest. Yes. Oh, yeah. Always the hardest. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Absolutely, yes. I find um, just the typical things of brainstorming, even some mind mapping can be great to just just try out things, see where they fit, change stuff around, be like, maybe I could include this, maybe I could include that. Um, but at the start, it's often hard to know, like, you know, where is this even going? And usually what you start with is very different to, to what you finish with. Um, yeah, so w- when I start, I start with an idea. I try and see what resources are out there, what I have to work with. Then I, you know, yeah, brainstorm, maybe sketch an outline of this might be what it looks like. And then I kind of get in, um, get my teeth into it and actually start. And then, yeah, you just kind of see what happens from there. In terms of um, like a process, say if I was just going to write an essay trying to interpret a biblical passage, it would be I'd start with some background information, try and figure out as much as I could about, uh, you know, when this piece of writing was written, the the person who wrote it, if possible. Sometimes we don't know. <laughs> um, uh the, the, the people and their context, uh, including the language, including uh, societal context, say like the Roman Empire, for example. Um, just try and under, just get a feel for what is happening in the world at the moment. Try and um, try and essentially understand the mutual, uh, what sometimes called the mutual cognitive context of the author and audience. You know, what, what do they what do they have in common? Um, and then you actually get into the nuts and bolts of understanding the flow of this piece of text um yeah the, the way the language works the kind of creative devices the writers themselves are using to communicate or emphasize something um oh, it's it's like if 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 you're in the field like it's just fascinating you can nerd out all day <laughs> <laughs> and i can sort of see like my next question would be what makes you come alive but i can see you coming alive as you're talking about it so it's probably this sort of thing yeah yeah definitely yeah just uh, like I, I, I mentioned it before, but like, I just, I just love learning stuff. Even if I don't arrive at anywhere concrete, mm. as long as it essentially helps me understand the world and, uh, especially God and myself and people more, Yeah, as long as that happens, like I'm happy. Yeah. 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 So it's not even necessarily about the output of say, um, writing and finishing an essay and then giving it to somebody else to read. Um, so that they can then subscribe to your views. Oh, or- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, definitely, like, f- finishing an essay and looking back and being like, I'm proud of this. Like, it's an amazing feeling when you put hours and hours into it. Yeah. And, like, of course, like, I, I love, like, hearing positive feedback. When I don't hear positive feedback, I feel like, you know, I've let the, the world down. You right. Know? It's quite a common experience. Right. Um, you should what? dig into that. That's a... <laughs> That's a good point of therapy that might bring up some good stuff. <laughs> you do some live therapy on the show. No. So I am interested though, like um, with that feel, because I've had a similar thing of just if if I'm not hearing positive feedback, it can really be, I don't know, you pour hours of yourself into something and there's got to be something in that of like, you tr- you're, you've almost got a little bit of a, a string attached in a way that you you're relying on the, I don't know, you're, you're creating something to give to somebody, but you really, really, really want them to say something about it. Um, mm. 
Have you ever gotten to a point where you've surpassed that and you just love it for the sake of it rather than what comes out at the end? Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, like, uh, of course, if, if you don't receive the mark and feedback you want, like it definitely hits you. Yeah. But it's like, it, it, even if I look back on the essay and I'm like, oh, this should have been so much better, et cetera. It's like, I still, I still love it. Mm. Yeah. E- even though like, I guess, yeah, it's a cliche, but it's like, even if it's painful, you know, it's still like, you can still just absolutely love it. Yeah, for sure. And again, like, even if I write something and then a year later, I'm like, oh, I kind of disagree with this, or I think this is unbalanced, or Mm. I even think this is narrow-minded, or, oh, maybe I was entertaining ideas that, you know, aren't really worth that much. Like, it's, it's still part of the, part of the journey, and, you know, as long as, you know, you're trying to be a genuine person, which, you know, I think most people are. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, you know, you, you, I don't think you can be too hard on yourself. Do you think the way that we talk about faith um, has changed over the years? And I mean, we've talked a little bit about popular culture, but I mm. mean, yeah, maybe on the surface, the popular culture side of it, but, but in, uh, even in general, has, has it been a evolving subject or has it stayed much the same? Oh, definitely. Um, it's kind of a few, a few big changes. You you could go like on terms of like 2000 years of history scale, where often in in the first centuries, um, after Jesus, who, um, from which yeah Christianity started, a lot of theology, um, was based around looking at theology in the world through the lens of, um, who we understand to be God, the father, first member of the Trinity. That was, that, uh, was a lot of uh, the first theo- um, theology and interpreting uh, the Bible in the world. And then kind of moving on from that, a lot of it was um, Jesus-focused and, again, interpreting the world, um, even lots of like uh, f- understandings of philosophy and time even uh, through uh, the lens of Jesus, uh, uh, God the Son, we understand to be the second member of the Trinity um, in Christian belief. And then, but recently there's been... Um, there's been a big move towards seeing the world and ourselves and theology through the third person of the Trinity, who we call uh, God the Spirit, or God the Holy Spirit. Um, and so part of this has been, say, the rise of Pentecostalism, for example. Um, it started like about 100 years ago now, I think, Pentecostalism. But I guess on a, on a smaller scale, um, say in the last 100 years or even less than that, it's... Um, Partly, partly the influence of uh, events or processes like the Enlightenment is our theology, uh, say, um, throughout the last century has been quite individualized. And although that's still kind of present, I feel like what's starting to happen is we're starting to kind of grasp that focusing on ourselves all the time isn't always the best. <laughs> and so I feel like some theology is kind of, now, um, theology and faith, it's now somewhat geared towards um, our relationships with each other more so, being in community. And I think um, I think part, partly what's tied to that is essentially a humility, being like we need other people. We need other people's viewpoints. Um, you know, how does Jesus relate to other people and not just me? Um, that's a couple of kind of changes I think that have happened. 
Um, I'm not sure if that's exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, and going. I mean, the rise of globalization and the internet and information becoming more, so much more readily available and um, totally. things getting parodied and memed and um, <laughs> it, it, it does change, it does change things. It does. It has really changed the landscape. Like technology just changed everything. Yeah. It really did. So, I mean, you can, if you wanted to, you can find any, anything you want on YouTube or. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's great that we have this wealth of information. And like, I think, you know, I, I don't think it's something we should lose at all. Yeah. Um, different opinions are, are so important and, and yeah, having well-rounded views of life and yeah, just having the humility to just genuinely listen to to people and their different ideas. Mm. Uh, I think that's really good. Um, but yeah, un- unfortunately what can happen these days is yeah, just with all the resources online at our fingertips, what can happen is you essentially just create an echo chamber for yourself. Yeah. Like, and it's just, <laughs> well, isn't oh. that just what social media is anyway? <laughs> people curate their uh, feeds and then it just becomes an echo chamber for what they want to hear. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like it's it, the, the the same can happen with with what you believe about God, like you know if you only read these books, if you only listen to these pastors. Oh, absolutely, like, yeah. It's yeah, and um, most people don't tend to do a lot of travel or getting out there and just getting amongst um, otherness, uh, people mm. different from them or from what they're used to their their framework from from growing up conditioning it all comes into this one package and then because it's so scary to leave it or to acknowledge that it might have flaws or um, fallacies or or ways of seeing the world that aren't necessarily the greatest yeah definitely i guess that relates to i don't know whether you've talked about on the podcast before but uh like deconstruction yeah 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 definitely relates to that and it can be really interesting because you 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 can meet some people who are all about deconstruction uh, with with a particular definition of what deconstruction is, yeah, or deconstructionism, um, and then you meet other people who have a particular definition of what deconstruction is, and then they're totally against it. Yeah, it can be real interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just the way the language works. Eh? It's like you you pick a word, and and like words get so tainted. Like mm. like that word is now just like this dirty word like to actually, people. But yeah. like there is a healthy part of it. Like deconstructing something like taking something apart if if something's not working like a an old house for example and you mm. you're like okay the ceiling's got asbestos in it what are you going to do just leave it there or are you going to take yeah. it out and try and replace it you do the best that you can with what you have at the time so yeah yeah I don't, language just it's crazy. The moment we try and put words to this thing of like <laughs> what God is and what all what in the world is going on with us here being alive on planet Earth, it's it's crazy to we try and put words to it and then it the whole thing kind of just dissolves around <laughs> us sometimes of just ruining it almost. Um, mm. Like if someone has a really amazing spiritual experience and then they try and explain it a day later to somebody it it almost wrecks it it almost turns it into something it's not because you're trying to communicate that idea of what you experienced in your body and what you kind of knew that you knew to somebody else and and i think that 
might be what happens with <laughs> try to pass on faith traditions is it does get bound up by this language thing and words become um, overused and then they end up causing more harm than good sometimes. <laughs> so is that yeah. kind of what you were getting at there? Yeah, partly because like, um, yeah, got, like, unfortunately, you know, words is you know, what we have to work with. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like it, it just reinforces the point that you just have to genuinely engage with people yeah. to actually understand what they're attempting to communicate. Because like, you know, it happens so often where somebody says something and what what is generally meant by saying that is, you know, not appropriate or whatever, or just say wrong theologically, we would normally say, but it's like sometimes when a person says that, you get the sense that they're not saying what it, sounds like they're saying and it's like if we take the time to actually yeah engage with people in terms of one just entertaining ideas but just genuinely listen to people enough where we can become somewhat confident about what they're actually trying to communicate yeah um again like uh going back to deconstructionism like yeah i totally agree like for for example like of course it happens before this but if you just the process of learning almost mm. anything you're deconstructing your previous worldview that's right yeah like and so essentially whether it's in school or my experience of studying theology at uni like it's all deconstruction yeah and so it, it, it does get quite annoying when somebody essentially picks picks people who've deconstructed what we generally conclude as they've deconstructed badly Oh, it, it annoys me when you, people do that and then say deconstructionism is bad. It's like, oh. <laughs> uh, it's a case of missing it. And like, I love what you said about listening to people and that gets missed so much um, everywhere. Like, I mean, it brings me back to the episode we did. A, um, it was the last, epi- oh, one of the last episodes about conflict. Um, and uh-huh. it's the same idea. It's like, if you're not listening, you miss the person, you think you know what they've said, but you're actually tripping up over um, like mismatches and what you're communicating to each other. Mm. And that can happen so often as like, cause you signify something with the words you use, you've got the signifier and then what that's actually signifying and, yep. and they're often different things and they get caught up in like one's coming from somebody's particular um, experience and all of the things that shaped them and then the other person has their particular set of experiences and all the things that shape them and then you try and talk and then it's yep. just you, I, I reckon you understand each other maybe <laughs> like 50 percent of the time <laughs> at best uh yeah so I'm, I'm real curious uh what's some like hard things you've had to overcome in your life uh, i mean have you had any maybe your life's been a <laughs> been a breeze a walk in the park uh, i don't know um but yeah i, I mean we, we often talk about on the show how suffering has sh- kind of shaped your journey and your experience and um and like what you've had in terms of like maybe even putting a redemptive perspective on that suffering and mm. or maybe not how has it shaped your mm. life um yeah I, I think first off i have to say that i i have no right to complain about my life <laughs> <laughs> we're all pretty privileged i'm very privileged you're very privileged yeah yeah um so yeah that out of the way <laughs> um yeah probably i i don't know if i'd say it's the hardest thing but Probably, yeah, the, the, the time of 
of starting uni was was pretty hard in the sense where um like we talked about some of it before just encountering so many ideas and the 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 hard part of that that i'm referring to being you're encountering ideas that the people around you haven't encountered before and so sometimes that can be real hard even if you have like the most supporting family friend group who are just like amazing like if if i'm just entertaining an idea and trying to explain it you know absolutely butchering it trying to explain it and then other people are just like what is this you know crap or whatever you know what are you what are they teaching you at that college (laughs) it's just they just haven't like yeah like kind of regardless of whether i reject the belief or not it's just it can be kind of i think we talked about this um a while ago it can just feel isolating when you yeah yeah when you're just experiencing ideas that the other people around you haven't yeah and you just can't really talk about it oh it's so isolating and and all the things we talked about before of um if if you have that dogmatic approach or somebody around you has a dogmatic approach and mm. you're not even open to listening to an idea yeah and that's bad it's it's mm. That's not great because it leads to this very unhealthy um, sort of thing. You imagine a, a pool of water that's cut off from from any other bodies of water and it's just sitting there and it's all feral and got um, mosquitoes and things buzzing around it. And you're never going to drink the water from that pool because it's it's cut off from all, all other sources. Mm. And to me, like a healthy thing is just engaging in dialogue yeah and sometimes all i want is just to talk like Mm. i don't even care if somebody agrees with me or not (laughs) i just want to have an honest conversation and for them to not like tell me that i'm wrong or or like do you know what i'm saying of like try and re-establish old ground and go no 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 no. this is the way it is this is the way it's always Mm. been this is the way that we've always seen it why would you ever want to change that yeah just come back to Come back to the group, as yeah. it were. <laughs> us, and, us and them. Yeah. I, I am really grateful looking back because, like, I, I, I coped all right and got through it because of the amazing people around me. Mm. But, you know, it, it didn't mean that that feeling of isolation wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, uh, just just uh, referring to what we are talking about before, again, with just experiencing different ideas, it's, again, it's, it's not saying that truth doesn't exist it's just saying like as you can't get there all on your own you need other people you need to experience different ideas and whatever you know real truth you do discover you don't fully grasp it and you often you know you don't always know which parts you have grasped and um like in the theological world it's it's a it's a common thing for for a scholar or a theologian to say you know I'm confident that 80% of what I believe and write about is is pretty good. It's pretty correct, but they're like, I have no idea which is the wrong 20%. <laughs> like, well, I suppose if you knew, you'd change it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and it's just, it's got to be, you know, try to be as humble as you can while genuinely trying to, you know, discover real meaning. And as a Christian, you know, discover that in relation to God and yeah, Jesus and how you live your life, but just yeah, being humble about it. <laughs> Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. that's open-minded. right. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we we do come from these these places on Earth that have their dominant religions, and it's mm. it's not really a surprise that we end up in that same religion. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so yeah, you, you you really do have to bring that curiosity to life, otherwise. I don't know. Well, I mean, it must feel pretty safe if you think you've got all the answers all the time. That would probably feel amazing, but oh, totally. it's never been my experience. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, even if you think that, like, unless everybody, like literally everybody around you is a follower, uh, like somebody will tell you yeah. <laughs> and show you that you don't have it all sorted. <laughs> what uh, would you say to somebody who's kind of lost hope or direction or a sense of meaning in their life? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, unless you have no one around you, like literally no one who, say, cares about you, I- I'd say, you know, find that person that you know cares about you or cares about you the most and just essentially hold on to that and be and essentially recognize that this is what helps me, having somebody value you and kind of I'd say hold on to that and try and be that for other people and just know that relationship is important. I'd say relationship is vital and just essentially as long as we have relationships with people, I'd say we like I'd say we have hope because I yeah, in my opinion, relationships are like the fundamental like part of who we are as humans essentially in community. Yeah, we can't do it alone for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say like essentially, um, I guess, you know, from from my faith perspective as a Christian, I'd say historically I believe Jesus died for all of us out of love. And so, you know, worst comes to worst, if you don't have anybody who cares about you, there is somebody in history who essentially died to prove that they love you. Yeah. So that's a very good question. I don't think I have an answer to it. That is, is that you know all encompassing, to be honest. Uh, that, and that's quite, that's a very humble approach to take. And and I mean, I think the the right one because none of us really do have <laughs> have the perfect answer or anything like that. And I think, um, hmm. like for me, one thing that that I do or did struggle with coming out of a small context into a larger context was encountering otherness. Mm. Um, when you see situations or scenarios that you're just so not used to, they're just, and they break your heart, like people with no hope or, um, struggling with domestic violence or Mm. these kinds of things. Um, it can be absolutely heart wrenching to, to see and to know what to do or, if there's anything you can do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. We're all in this together, aren't we? Mm. Unless you want to be a hermit and live by yourself. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I think yeah, relationships are just vital and we have to essentially make them as good as we can. Otherwise kind of, yeah, I don't really think we're being all that human. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's all just an excuse to grow our character. Like mm. all these things that are thrown our way, I think are just, more and more excuses to develop and um, become better people. Mm. And that doesn't happen if you're a hermit. Like you could be a hermit (laughs) and 
probably have a very peaceful life. Maybe you'd get super bored. I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it really is that coming into relationship. Um, and that shows that it's not all about just agreeing with somebody. Mm. And I think that is something we definitely miss um, is we think that believing something is having to agree exactly with what and with the way another person sees it yeah. and the way another person sees it. And they're all just gathering around the same object with slightly different vantage points on it and trying mm. to explain what they see. Yeah. Um, so they're never going to see it the same way, but man, we wish they did sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, like I, 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 yeah, I, I think you're so right. Like, yeah. Agreeing with someone and, you know, doesn't have to be this. Yeah. It's, it's not the be all and end all. And like, again, conversely, like disagreeing with somebody, it shouldn't ever mean that you hate the person. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. <laughs> Like, yeah. honestly, like if you hate someone, regardless of what they believe, like, it's like, what are you doing? Like, Yeah. It's, um, it's showing what's on the inside, isn't it? Showing mm. the, the, what's really in the heart. Um, but yeah, we, 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 we get so confused and think that being in relationship with somebody means perfect agreement. Mm. Perfect agreement means no conflict or hardship, but yeah. Or even diversity. Divert. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which just highlights everything we've been talking about. Mm. Um, in that book we've said before on the show about crucial conversations, it's it really is the fool's choice when you think I either have to choose to just sweep this under the carpet and let it go and not not make a fuss or burning the relationship to the ground, and that's what they call the fool's choice of there's actually a better way yeah. and you can exist in relationship with conflict and not have it mean that um, the whole thing is needs to burn. Yeah. And like, I, I, th- I think that's, I really think that's what should, you know, characterize our Christian communities and communities in general is this is, is unity around, you know, some commonly, you know, accepted idea of say truth and health, say like, you know, good relationships with each other some some unity but you know with that diversity I, th- I think that's what community should be it should be and it makes it a lot more healthy um and seeing just the range like you're saying the word diversity you've got to see the range of people mm. not just one particular type of um personality type or or vantage point of um the way they see the, the whatever you're gathering around um mm. i think that makes it a lot more healthy yeah yeah, it's been a great conversation. Um, thanks for coming on. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. No problem. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. One of my favorite things that Jeremy talked about during this interview is the importance of community and learning from each other. His views on dialogue and how to sit with cognitive dissonance were so refreshing. In next week's episode, Matt and I will be talking about the inception of an idea. If you'd like to support the show, head over to our Instagram page and give it a like and a follow. And if this episode helped you, then consider sharing it with a friend. All right, I'll see you all on the next one. Keep it fresh.